Laura London, and you're listening to Speaking of Jung. Joining me again from Zurich, Switzerland, for a special follow-up episode of the podcast is Jungian analyst and author, Dr. Murray Stein. He holds a Master of Divinity from Yale University, a Diploma in Analytical Psychology, which is the degree of a Jungian analyst from the C.G. Jung Institute Zurich, and a Ph.D. in Religion and Psychological Studies from the University of Chicago. Dr. Stein was the founding member and first president of the Chicago Society of Jungian Analysts, a co-founder of the Interregional Society of Jungian Analysts, and is an honorary member of the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago. He served as president of the International Association for Analytical Psychology from 2001 to 2004, and the International School of Analytical Psychology in Zurich from 2008 to 2012. For over 30 years, he worked as editor and publisher at Chiron Publications and is now a training and supervising analyst at the ISAP Zurich. Dr. Stein is the author of many books and articles, including The Principle of Individuation, Toward the Development of Human Consciousness, Minding the Self, Jungian Meditations on Contemporary Spirituality, and, along with Dr. Thomas Arts, is the editor of the three-volume series Jung's Red Book for Our Time, Searching for Soul Under Postmodern Conditions, published by Chiron. His book, Jung's Map of the Soul, an Introduction, first published in 1998, has become a number one bestseller due to its recognition by the K-pop band BTS. Their new CD, titled Map of the Soul Persona, was just released on Friday, April 12th, and it is the subject of our talk today. This interview is being recorded on Sunday, April 14th, 2019, through the magic of Skype. Hi, Dr. Stein. Hi, Laura. We are back to talk about the record that we discussed a little bit on episode 42 that we recorded last month. And the record that we had all been so anxiously awaiting called Map of the Soul Persona was just released two days ago. And we've all had a chance to listen to the songs and read the lyrics. Most of the lyrics are in Korean. And with the help of ARMY and their translators, we have some English translations. And I will include links to those in the show notes. So I'm going to step out of the way and let you begin with a Jungian interpretation of BTS's new record. Thank you. Well, I... I have to uh, confess that it, it will be an interpretation, and uh, it will be an interpretation of the lyrics. Um, I'm not a music critic. I, I love music, but uh, mostly it's Mozart and Beethoven type music, classical music. Uh, so I couldn't begin to comment on the, the musical quality or effect of, of this album, although I have listened to a number of the songs. Uh, there are seven songs in this album, and I would like to comment on the lyrics of each of them and try to trace a theme or a thread that runs through them. I think there is a development 
a line of development uh, that runs through from number one through number seven. I would like to comment on that. Uh, but um, we also have to uh, recognize that I'm working with translation right. of the lyrics. And so in the original language, there might be nuances that I would miss. There might be suggested meanings that I'm not aware of. Uh, so all of that said, um, I think we can make some sense of this album. It has a title, uh, Map of the Soul, Persona. Uh, I wrote the book, Jung's Map of the Soul. The term persona is well known among Jungians. And after this album, which has sold millions of copies, I think the term persona will become very widespread in the culture and people will be using it a lot more generally than they were before. Um, it's not an unknown term at all. Um, it's a Latin word meaning mask um, that the actors wore. And so there's a suggestion of the theatrical whenever you deal with persona. And as I said in the previous podcast, we are all actors on the stage of life. And uh, some of us are a little more theatrical than others. But even uh, withdrawn introverts uh, have a persona when they come out of their shell and they face the rest of the world. So the mask or the persona is what we have between ourselves, our subjectivity, and the social and uh, collective world around us. I'm also thinking that this is the beginning of a series on the part of BTS, that Persona will be the initial album in a series of several, I don't know how many, but I would hope uh, three or four perhaps, that will take the uh, their audience uh, to other levels of what I describe in the map of the soul, Jung's understanding of the human psyche, which has many um, facets and aspects. It's a complexity, and uh, they are beginning to speak about, sing about, uh, the uh, perhaps the easiest uh, of those facets of the personality to understand, because we all know uh, intuitively that we are different with different people. Uh, we have a persona that fits uh, a professional situation. If you're a teacher or a doctor or a, uh, a fireman, uh, you have a persona when you're on the job that's different from the person you are when you go home and play with your children uh, or talk to your neighbors or your mother or father. Uh, we're different personalities in different situations. That doesn't mean we're different people at all, but we have different faces, different aspects. And the way I understand the BTS group, um, having looked at their videos, um, is that these seven uh, young men represent different aspects of a single personality. That's the way I'm going to think of it anyway, in my interpretation, that we're, okay. we're talking about a single person with different faces. Some of them are a little more serious. Some of them are more entertaining. Some are prettier than others. They have different colored hair. 
some smile more than others. And so when R.M. Uh, sings uh, that first song, the persona song, and uh, asks himself who he is, uh, who am I, and so on, this is a question he says, I've had my whole life. And we see the other six members um, dancing around him. They are other aspects. He has a voice, but these are other faces. So um, that's the way I'm going to look at these songs, that they are the expression of a single personality with different aspects and uh, personas. Did you want to go through this song by song and give your interpretation of what's going on, what the theme is in each song? I can give you my sort of a quick run through, and then we can go back and look at them one by one. And I could quote some of the lines uh, and comment on them. I'd like to say that these are songs of, of longing, struggle for authenticity. There, one feels this personality struggling to say something, to come to terms with himself and with who he is and what he is. There are songs of sometimes love and hope and vision, sometimes despair. There's a hyper feeling of, of celebrity and the, and the problems it brings, inflation and self-doubt. There is a, a search for a place of quiet and truth. It's poignant. Uh, uh, I feel for this personality um, struggling uh, with issues that have arisen in his life by virtue of his great talent and his now fame that doesn't satisfy all of his needs. It satisfies his ambition, but also leaves him feeling empty at times. Mm -hmm. He's struggling with a multitude of images of himself, several voices, demands on him to be this or to be that, to change. And I imagine these Actually, these, these singers uh, face those demands as they emerge into the international scene from, from their um, Korean home. There are going to be all kinds of pressures on them to say it this way, do it that way. There are uh, several writers involved in these, in these songs. Uh, do the singers agree with everything that the writers are putting into their mouths? Um, maybe they have an objection to some things. Maybe they are playing... Uh, a role that they have some doubts about. So I'm trying to look through the presentation that you get on stage to who are these personalities? Who is this person speaking to us and, uh, yeah. and entertaining us? I was wondering that myself. Is this record their persona? I saw it referred to as a mini album. I was surprised when it came out that it was only seven songs, and I think it's only about 26 minutes. So, uh -huh. yeah, so I was wondering if maybe they're showing us this is our persona. Is this really us? It's very entertaining. Um, and I think it is playing to an audience, um, an audience of fans who are cheering wildly or going crazy or screaming. Um, so it's very tempting, of course, if you have an audience uh, that is expecting a certain kind of performance to give it to them. Mm -hmm. And they are delivering. They are delivering very well. <laughs> but when they come home after the show, you wonder, how do they feel? That That is expressed in these songs. Yeah. There, there's a lot of 
introspection and self-evaluation and uh, looking behind their mask. They're, they're making a confession on stage, even while they're entertaining. That's what makes it so interesting mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, they're saying, is this really me? Yes. And while they're doing it very well, and uh, they're presenting us with a very entertaining persona, but there's something else in the background that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So in the first song, which is titled Intro Persona, that's RM, who is the leader of the group. He's the interpreter. He speaks fluent English. And in the video, which was released before the record was released on the 12th, ARMY went nuts on Twitter. And I was bombarded with messages because there were quotes by Jung on the blackboard in the opening of this video, they mention whoever wrote on this chalkboard, aside from persona, shadow, self, Mm -hmm. and ego. Yes. In that song, RM mentions his shadow. My shadow, I named him hesitation and called him so. Once he became it, he has never hesitated. Dual set Bang Tang says that RM calls his anxiety his shadow and acknowledges and accepts that the shadow will follow him wherever he goes and whatever he does. And therefore, he tries to become friends with his shadow rather than separating himself from it. So once we become conscious of a quality that we have, is it still our shadow? Well, I don't think this is a a uh, song about the shadow, really. I think he, he references that. it's The shadow is uh, what he's hiding, so he's hiding his anxiety. Um, but there are many different uh, you know levels to the shadow, and this would be one that is rather easy to get a hold of in his feelings, that he's feeling anxious, uh, he hesitates, and then he makes that hesitation his friend, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, a good move, let's say, to uh, take your feeling, uh, accept it, go with it, and um, don't let it stop you, but bring it with you into whatever activity you are undertaking. So I think he's working with feelings. Don't know that I would call that um, hesitation uh, a a deep uh, understanding of shadow. When he speaks later that... uh, about when you're drunk, uh, immaturity, again, he's probably trying to hide his immaturity, what makes him hesitate. And the anxiety, what it's about is a sense of insufficiency or inability or foolishness or that he's overstating his uh, official uh, mask, that, they're, that it's hiding, yeah. and that makes him uneasy. But what he's hiding is he says something like immaturity. Um, He's young, and uh, many people have that sense that uh, when they're suddenly thrust into a position, uh, whether it's in a business position or academic or or professional, that is a bit above where they have been, they feel like they're faking it or they're, they're not really up to it. Uh, And so they have to bluff their way through. And a lot of professional people feel and have confessed that they feel like fakes. Um, 
that would be similar to what he's talking about, hiding his immaturity. He's out there on stage performing extremely well, uh, and yet he's afraid that it's um, more than he can handle at times, maybe. Hesitating, afraid, yeah. In that first song, there are some really great lyrics in there, like he says, someone like me isn't good enough for delivering the truth. Yeah. One of his fears my flaws that I know, maybe those are really all I've got. And the world is actually not interested at all in my clumsiness. Yes, exactly. So that's what the mask is hiding. But then he says there's something that raises me up again. And that caught my attention. What is that something Mm. that raises me up again? There is a kind of religious sensitivity uh, sensibility at work. That phrase even uh, is almost biblical. He has raised me up again. So there's a sense that the we would call it the self in Jungian psychology. When you're down, there is a, a kind of source of energy, inspiration that will raise you up again and give you another chance and a new day. And this is in the background of a number of these songs. Right. That sense. And would you define for the listeners the self is the term that Jung used, eventually came to use? What is the self? Well, that's a big question. Uh, it's a, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I know. Just just a condensed for, version for the podcast. That's a, that's a later chapter in the book. I hope they get mm-hmm. it. Um, but in a, in a nutshell, it's, let's say it's your, the core of your being. It's who you were uh, from the day you were born or before you were born. And it is um, the ultimate resource of of the psyche. Um, When we get to the last song, uh, Dionysus, I'd like to say a few words about the self. Before we leave the first one, he calls out at a certain place, where's your soul? Where's your name? And he says, my name is R. Uh, And then he mentions map of the soul. I'm not embarrassed anymore. This is the map of my soul. Now, that calling out, where is your soul, uh, is an echo of of, uh, Jung's um, midlife experience when he was writing uh, the Red Book. Now, whether the audience uh, knows about that, it was a a publication in 2009, about 100 years after Jung wrote the what's called the Red Book. Uh, and, but the Red Book be- begins, like this series of songs begins, uh, with Jung calling out, where's my soul? Right. Where, he calls out. Also images of being in the desert, which come up in these songs. Being in the desert before the soul responds. And the soul then appears to him in the desert as a voice first, and then she, it's a woman, a, a feminine figure, and then he begins a dialogue with her. And that you see in the second song uh, that uh, follows this introduction persona, yes. Boy with Love. Boy with Love. So you could say the first song is about calling out for the soul, where are you? And in the second one, there is a response the soul appears. And it appears in the form of a woman. There is a female singer that joins the group in the music video and in the song. 
Her name is Halsey, and she's an American girl. That's right. So some people have asked, why would they choose an American girl to uh, play this role? <clears throat> there are seven young men on stage. And uh, at the beginning of that song, I watched that uh, segment. Uh, she's in a booth, and suddenly she realizes she's being called. So she closes up the booth, and she disappears. And then you see the seven young men on stage, and they're singing the first part of the song. And then she joins them at a certain point. And I found that very touching, that um, uh, it's integrative. That they've gone international, uh, for one thing, and they're going to America to give concerts in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you will visit the one that see them in Chicago at Soldier Field with yes. 8,000 other people. Yes, on May 11th. I'll be there. <laughs> May 11th. So um, they, they are reaching out to the international community. But it is also not uh, at all surprising that the soul figure, what we call the anima figure, again, that's a chapter, later chapter in my book after Persona, that the anima figure is um, of a culture that's quite different from the home base culture. And so um, I think for Koreans, it could be that the American uh, woman is a suitable projection carrier for the, uh, for the anima. They will project their unconscious anima onto an American woman and find her their soul figure. Um, as the Europeans uh, have traditionally projected their soul figures onto exotic cultures, whether Middle Eastern or India or China, Wolfgang Pauli's, um, for instance, a physicist and friend of Jung, his uh, anima figure was Chinese. He dreamed of her several times. It wasn't that he knew a real Chinese woman that he was in love with or anything, but she represented the um, unconscious um, anima in his personality. And so the fact that Halsey is American is, I think, significant in that it, she would be unconscious, part of the Korean unconscious, that is now responding to a call. So in the first song, he says, where is your soul? In the second song, lo and behold, she appears. There she is. Yeah. And the title of the song is Boy With Love. Now, that has been commented on, too. It isn't Boy In Love, which was an earlier song, I guess. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. I've read it. Uh, and this is Boy With Love. I don't know why they spell love, L-U-V, by the way. Do you? I don't. I wondered that myself. It's the way people text these days in sort oh, of ab abbreviations and shorthand. But there's a huge difference between being a boy with love and being boy in love. Mm -hmm. If you're in love, you are possessed by an emotion and uh, an, uh, a projection of the beloved onto somebody else. You are helpless. Your ego is a slave to that uh, emotion. And people do all kinds of crazy things when they're in love. If you're with love, you're much more in control. You're with it. You're not in it. Yeah. You bring it with you. And when you bring it with you, the other whom you, whom you are casting your eye on or, you, or you're going to um, 
state your love, you bring it with you, and it has a powerful effect on the other. It's like a magnetic effect. And you are much more in control of the situation. And this calls for a much more also mature ego position. An immature ego will be head over heels in love. A more mature, experienced person will will be a person with love. They come into a situation with love, and they can use that, uh, not in a manipulative way, but they can. It's a resource, and um, uh, it's a it's psychologically, developmentally, it's a much advanced position from the in love position. So I think this personality that the boys represent. Um, has advanced considerably from that earlier um, moment when it was in love to now it's being with love. And it's a beautiful song, I find. I find the lyrics striking. Uh, of course, it celebrates the power of love, that it transforms you, it, it makes you high, it, uh, it uh, has its dangers, um, the wings of Icarus. But they say, uh, with the wings of Icarus, you gave me not toward the sun, but towards you, let me fly. Mm-hmm. Icarus burns up in the sun, yeah. in control. He he gets inflated, he go, flies too high. Now, this personality is redirecting. He's flying, he's elevated, he's somewhat inflated, but he's not out of control, and he's not going to crash. Um, so it's a very good sign from an individuation point of view that um, he's with love and that his love is directed toward his beloved and not toward some crazy fantasy that will lead him to crash and burn um, and probably bring her down with him. Uh, so um, I found that encouraging uh, and in a developmental sense. And I'm looking at this series from a Jungian perspective of individuation, um, individuation moments, first one calling out, where is soul? Then she appears, he's with love, and, um, and with love he can do something in the world, he can make a contribution, he can, um, he can offer love to his beloved, to his children, to his family, to whatever comes along that uh, deserves it or warrants it. Um, and so he can make a contribution to the world and to his own well-being. Those are excellent points. And then they bring us to track number three, which is called Microcosmos. The song's title is written in Korean. And that was translated into the word microcosm. So microcosm is um, a long-standing theory that the human being is a microcosm uh, reflecting the macrocosm. The macrocosm is the cosmos. It's the whole world. It's the universe. It's the cosmos is the totality of everything that is, yourself included. Uh, the microcosm is the inner world. And the inner world, it was thought, reflects the outer world, mm-hmm. the, the cosmic world. Jung had a dream, for instance, late in life that he reports to a friend of his. And he said, I had a wonderful dream in my illness. I dreamt that I saw a star in a pool of water. And I realized that I am 
the microcosm reflected in the pool of the unconscious that is the macrocosm. And this gave me a great feeling of well-being, he said, in his illness late, late in his life. So this sense that we have an inner world and that the inner world is consistent with um, the total world. And that's what, again, Jung speaks of as a sense of self. If you have a sense of the inner world that is a microcosm, you have a sense of a huge space, a complexity, a richness, a diversity uh, within yourself in what we call the inner world. It's, it's uh, not all conscious. Much of it is unconscious, but you can have access to it through various techniques that Jung and Jungians have developed, like active imagination. Um, and so this step toward microcosm and the reference to the star uh, again, is an important step in an individuation process toward realizing that you have an inner self. Mm-hmm. You have, and you aren't dependent on the outside world. Say persona. If you're stuck in persona, uh, you depend on other people reflecting your value, and you don't have a sense of self aside from what they give you. Now, with a sense of a star that you you are a star and you're linked to a star. Uh, you have a sense of worth that comes from uh, within yourself, and you aren't as dependent on the reflections of other people. So this personality is freeing itself from the persona need to be loved by others and reflected by others and esteemed and admired and all of that. And this this personality is, is freeing itself from uh, persona identification and uh, the problems that that brings. In the song, they sing, we shine in our own way. We shine in our own way. Each shines in its own way. And that sounds like individuation, shining in your own way. Yes, exactly. And this um, uh, reminded me uh, quite a bit of the philosophy of a a 17th century German philosopher named Leibniz, who um, had the theory that we're all monads, that each of us is an individual self-enclosed, but we are in relationship to all the other monads in the universe, all the other people. Every personality is a total individual, but it is in relationship with the other individuals. And they speak about 7 billion uh, stars. So that's population of the world. Each one is a star. Uh, Each one is is a monad. Each one is an individual. Each one has a soul. And yet we're all linked in some uh, mysterious way that Leibniz talked about as harmony, that these monads are harmonized by another force, called it God, um, that uh, makes for a harmonious interplay of all the parts, of all the independent pieces. Uh, But each one has its own uh, center of gravity. So... um, This is a a song about a a glimpse of the self, a glimpse of that feeling that we are rooted, uh, deeply rooted in something way beyond ourselves. We're individual, but we belong to the whole, and we have a destiny. Uh, And that destiny is our individual star to to become ourselves and upon our death to return to that star. That was 
Gnostic philosophy that uh, Jung uh, writes about also in the Red Book, um, that what brings peace is to know that you have a destiny, that destiny is your star, and you will arrive there someday. Uh, and you are linked to it in the meantime. So uh, I read that uh, that song as a as a breakthrough into this sense of self um, that uh, this personality, represented by these seven young men, is struggling toward and is beginning to find its way. And then we come to number four: make it right. What do you make of it, Laura? Make it right. It's an upbeat song. I really liked it. Some of the lyrics that I picked out are, but everything is for me to reach you. I sing to find you. Everything is to come back to you. Everything I do is to come back to you. Who is you? Yeah, who? that's what I was thinking. Who is you? Who is you is to me is the self. <laughs> there you are. Or the soul, you could say. Uh, it's a map of the soul, remember. Right. So the title. So when he speaks of you, it's a bit ambiguous. Is he talking about his girlfriend? No, I don't think just that. Is he talking about the soul that appeared in the second song? I think it's also that. So this coming back to you and doing it better, its it, he's struggling. He's journeying inward. Uh, that's how I, I retitled this song, Journeying Inward mm-hmm. to a Sense of Soul. Um, and he talks about a journey. It's the answer to my journey. Sing to find you, baby, to you. Um, so uh, I want to I want to comment on this inner and outer business. You mm-hmm. know, is the soul just something inner, or is it something outer, or is it some combination of those two things? Our experience in life, usually, especially. Uh, in in the first half of life, let's say these these are young men. This personality is in its twenties. Um, is that we discover the self in others and through others, and we we call it a projection. But projection is a kind of dismissive way of talking about finding the soul when you are in relationship to another person, a beloved. Let's say you are in relationship with a beloved. You are with your soul. And that's why it, it becomes so crucially dependent to, to be with her. Yeah. Uh, she is your soul or he is your soul. Um, but that doesn't mean it's all out there. It, inside and outside get mixed up, yeah. mixed together. And so when he says baby to you, he's talking to somebody else maybe, but he's also talking about his soul. and. Uh, the journey, the answer to the journey, sing to find you, baby, to you, yeah. to find you. So again, it's a search for soul. Maybe it's a, he's looking outward, but it's also a journey inward at the same time. I think this is a, a wonderful uh, song about the journey. Um, also, he talks about the night sky I saw in my childhood. I remember the night sky I saw in my childhood. Again, a reference to the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a wonderful poem by an American poet, now deceased, recently, the last five years or so, named Mark Strand, who wrote uh, uh, a poem about uh, lying in a field at night, looking up at the stars, and he suddenly hears his name called. 
And he says, I've never heard my name called like that. Um, looking at the stars, hearing your name called. And it was a moment of initiation and, and identity. And um, so uh, when you um, hear your name in that kind of a context, or if beloved calls your name, it's different from somebody else calling your name in a public setting. Uh, you're deeply touched by it. Yes, yes. And in that song, he says, let me now open the map wide, the map that is you. Yes. That's the map of the soul. It's the map of the soul, exactly. The you is the soul, whether it's inner or outer. Mm. They're the same. Inner and outer are the same, according to Jung. My books, uh, published not too long ago, is outside, inside, and all around. It's like outside and inside, in experience, are all mixed together. It's, it's hard to tell what's outside and what's inside. Mm. We make up a world, in a way, that is that inside or outside. That sort of references Jung's concept of synchronicity, where inner and outer come together. Yeah. Now, synchronicity might be a topic later on in one of the albums down the road. Um, synchronicity and, and the self go very much together thematically. Then we come to number five, home. Home, yes. Mikasa. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting that they use little Spanish in there. <laughs> yeah. Again, they're going international. Mm -hmm. uh, they're mixing languages, which is, you know, the international way, I guess. Um, globalization. And Mikasa has a, a feeling of intimacy. It's a small house. Mikasa is a, is a cottage or a, a humble dwelling. It's not a palace. And um, a sense of home. Um, I think of it as being home with a soul. When you're home with a soul, you're, you're in an intimate space. And it feels very comfortable. It feels uh, not grandiose, not inflated, um, on the ground. Um, mm -hmm with yourself. BTS describes ARMY, which their fan base is known as ARMY. They describe them as my home and that this song referencing home is they're talking about ARMY. And they repeat this phrase, uh, which translated says, I'll go and come back. In the translation I read about going, written in a way that implies a return as well. Going, meaning leaving a place where you belong, and then coming back. Exactly. Um, RM, uh, in his uh, United Nations talk, spoke about this. He said, I'm a, I'm a boy from a small village uh, near Seoul. Now I'm famous, and I'm a world celebrity. So you have this uh, uh, feeling of, Mikasa's back there at home. I'll I'm leaving now. I'll come back home. Their international trips and journeys. But home for them now is everywhere. These fans are everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will feel at home in Chicago, welcomed by the fans there, long ways from Seoul, Korea. They're coming to Paris later. They feel surrounded by their fans. So I think wherever you feel loved and accepted and um, uh it's home, but Mikasa is something different. It's more intimate. Mm -hmm. I guess it's that's the return that he will. They will, this personality is going out on a long journey, but will come back, and 
while on that journey is remembering the home. This is like Odysseus wandering 20 years till he got back home to Ithaca, to his home uh, with his wife, Penelope. Um, while you're gone, you're thinking of Mikasa at home. The biggest city in South Korea is called Seoul. And yes. <laughs> it's spelled a little differently, but it's still yeah. Seoul. It's pronounced Seoul. Isn't that interesting? It is, yeah. I've been there several times. Have and you? Uh, yeah, it's huge, uh, large population, very modern city, although it has an old part. But I found the people there. I felt very at home there. So, yeah, I was welcomed. But there's a, quite a strong Jungian community there. Professor Buyan Ri oh, yes. uh, has, is the founder of the uh, Jungian Society in Korea, and he uh, translated many of Jung's works into Korean from the German, the original German. So um, they're very fine people in that group, I found. And they've been so polite to me. It's just been such a delight. The Korean uh, BTS Army fans and the publisher have been just amazing to me and so polite and so respectful. And I appreciate that so much. So we'll move on then to track number six. Jamais vous. Yeah, I've not heard that expression before. It's French. I had to look it up. Um, <laughs> I've talked to some of my friends who are very fluent in French here in Zurich. Um, jamais vous is actually a psychiatric term, and um, it's related to déjà vu. You know, if you have a déjà vu, you, you're in a situation, you say, I've been here before, but you can't say when it was. Maybe it was a dream. I, I've, now I know what that person's going to say next. And they, lo and behold, they say it. You know, it's like you've, you've been in this film before. Um, that's déjà vu. Jamais vu is the opposite. Mm -hmm. You're in a familiar place, but you don't recognize it. Uh, it's a weird experience. And it, uh, apparently people with epilepsy sometimes have this problem, or in schizophrenia you find it sometimes, um, where you're, you walk into your home, and you don't recognize it like you've never been there before. Um, and you have to learn it all over again. You know, you have to learn the same lesson all over again. Um, and so what this song is about is repetitions and repeating, going like you don't learn from experience. Every time you face the problem, you have to learn it all over again. You make the same mistakes all over again. And this is a struggling song. This is a song of, um, you know, they, this, this personality has come so far, and now it's looking at its complexes. Complex reactions are like that. You step into a, the same situation and react the same way over and over and over again, as though you don't learn from your experience, because each time it's hurtful, it's harmful, and you regret you've, you've said what you said, and you lose it all over again. We know this very well from our work as psychotherapists, uh, this repetition of the same patterns over and over again, even though cognitively you know where that's going to lead. Uh, but it's like it's a brand new situation all over again. You had the same argument with your husband last night. Now you have it again, like you hadn't had it before. Don't you learn? No. 
So the complex is like that. It, it just runs itself over and over until you can break that um, through um, an insight, through an intervention, through suddenly saying, oh, my God, I better get a hold of myself. Um, it always hurts like it's the first time is a, is a phrase in there. Whoever wrote this really knows this. Um, brilliant. This is brilliant. Yes. It is brilliant. Yeah, I stumble again. I continue running and I stumble again. But what I found very encouraging was that while this all this repetition goes on, there is a recognition that it is going on. And at the end, the last line, I won't give up. Yeah. There is a determination to stay on the path of individuation, even though you fall off many times and you repeat mm -hmm. your old stupidities and behaviors. Um, but recognizing it, in therapy, we know that just going over and over again and recognizing it reduces the severity. Maybe it takes you less time to recover from it. Maybe you see through it sooner rather than later. Maybe you can name it now. Even while you're in it, you can say to yourself, oh, my God, why am I doing this? You know, and kind of pull yourself out. Um, very hard to do. But that's the struggle of individuation and fighting with ourselves and our complexes. All of what you just said it just took me back. That's the work we do in Jungian analysis. Exactly. Over and over. Over yeah. and over and over as long as it takes. And it sort of never ends. I mean, <laughs> you still get complexed, right? Oh, I've worked with some people like 30 years. And they say to me, you know, we've gone over this ground a hundred times and I did it again. Um, and we kind of laugh about it. But uh, yeah, we, we never quite get over it totally. We, we get better at it, but I think we have to recognize that psychological life is a struggle to become conscious and stay conscious. We don't arrive at some ideal point and, and you know, are perfect and never, never stumble again. So it's very realistic, this song. That's so important, what you just said. So important for people to realize that. He even says in the song, blaming myself for not having been perfect. Yeah. We don't ever become perfect and stay there. No. And yeah. that is even the goal to be perfect. It's right. to be right. whole and complete and to recognize our, our um, partial accomplishments and our flaws and our, again, shadow our, and our complexes we um, have to remain on guard and alert. So that brings us to the final track, which I think is maybe the most talked about one. Track number seven, Dionysus. Yes. <laughs> what is this doing here? I thought drunk in art, art <laughs> that washes. <laughs> well, I think this is a song of celebration and breaking out of the persona. You know who Dionysus is? Dionysus was a foreign god. There's so many references to Greek uh, mythology. Whoever wrote these songs is really into, into the Greeks uh, and, and Greek philosophy and, and mythology. But Dionysus was a foreign god to the Greece, Greeks. Came down from Thrace north, in the northern part and invaded Greece. And when he invaded, it was a great threat because he, he's a disruptor. He upsets everything. He um, 
He tramples on old values. He breaks down people's resistance. You can't resist Dionysus when he comes. Mm -hmm. If you try, he will overwhelm you. And so this is a, a, a song of this personality has gotten into a place where they can have a Dionysian celebration. They aren't afraid of Dionysus. Uh, they can accept him and they can enjoy the intoxication. And what they are doing really is breaking down barriers and old habits. Dionysus was called the loosener. The loosener uh, dissolves old structures, rigid behaviors and patterns, uh, destroys personas. So it frees you of your persona, at least momentarily. You might wake up the next morning and wish you hadn't. But um, the intoxication can be too much. It can get out of hand. It can become destructive, of course. Um, but it also, um, the, the Greeks in the end were very, uh, could integrate Dionysus. They gave Dionysus a place at Delphi. Apollo, who was the classic god of the Greeks, the god of order, beauty, structure, uh, high-mindedness, nobility, um, had to share his temple at Delphi half of the year with Dionysus. So half of the year Dionysus was there, half of the year Apollo was there. They integrated Dionysus because they recognized, number one, you can't resist him. This is a life force. This is what Schopenhauer called the will, uh, the, the will to be, the, the will to grow, the will to create. And it will, if you resist it, break you down. It will destroy you. Uh, as it uh, as it did occasionally in in Greek myth and, and drama, um, but to celebrate it the way they do uh, means that they are, I think, ready to let go of persona and are breaking out of the persona traps. I'm taking a very positive spin on this. My first reading was quite different. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I, I love it. But. Um, I, I think they're, um, you know, they've arrived at a place of release from the, the constraints of the persona. Is it the case that we can't deny these things? You said that Dionysus shares with Apollo. We can't be all Apollo. That would be one-sided and not recognizing the other side. And that's dangerous, isn't it? Very dangerous. That's what Jung was, uh, was constantly harping on about, that you... You can't just repress the unconscious and its powers. You've got to find another way to, to let them live and let them live in your life. You might not be as perfect a person. You might get drunk occasionally. You might lose it occasionally. But you're going to be a more creative person. Yes. You're going to be a freer person. You aren't going to be as bound to your uh, persona constraints because persona is all about culture. We learn persona. We we. We, uh, we imitate other people and develop our personas. We use persona to please other people. But if you are confined to persona, you're confined to very limited spaces. Uh, your whole personality can't come in play and express itself. So Dionysus is the great loosener and uh, freer. Uh, in, in Swiss culture, uh, they have... Um, a, uh, a day called uh, Fasnacht. It's like Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. It's just the beginning of Lent. Lent is a very serious time. But at the beginning, they have a day called Fasnacht where people dress up in masks 
They go out uh, in the night and they do all kinds of crazy things. They might get drunk, they party. They And the rule is, the next day, you cannot speak about it. You cannot confront somebody and say, oh, I saw you do that last night, because it's a night of freedom. Uh, and Jung writes about this and says, you know, this is very necessary to let the steam out of the kettle. Otherwise, uh, the Swiss being very tight and rather compulsive about time and order and all that would explode. So you need uh, these releases. And uh, Jung indulged himself in them, uh, not that he drank overly much or anything, but although in college he was called barely, which means the barrel, because uh, he could drink a lot of beer. <laughs> so he was a very big guy. And um, there's a kind of exuberance in Dionysus and um, and life, uh, life force. And I think fertility is referenced uh, in some of the uh, associations to Dionysus. Um, so it's a, I think it's, it's important that this album is released in the springtime. Um, you know, it's new life. It's rebirth. I think they speak about rebirth. We're born twice. Um, Spring is a time of exuberance and um, new life, uh, especially here in Switzerland now. It's all greening up and flowers are blooming and we're over the dreadful part of winter and we're coming into a, a new season. So I thought it was very nice that this album was released in this season and concludes with that hymn to Dionysus. It reminds me of... Uh, um, Carmina Burana, do you know that by Karl Orff, who's a 20th century German composer? And Carmina Burana, song sung, drunken songs sung, sung by monks uh, in the Middle Ages in their monasteries. You know, the monks uh, made very good wine and, and liqueurs, and every now and then would indulge. And these were the songs that the drunken monks would sing Carmina Burana. And this uh, song Dionysus re reminded me very much of that. Very exuberant, full of life. Uh, and although you'll have a headache tomorrow morning, it's important to uh, allow yourself to break out. Um, and it will make you a more creative person in the long run. So I'm looking forward to future albums. I think this is laying the groundwork for further developments and um, Beyond the persona, we'll see what they come up with next. Thank you, Dr. Stein. It was my pleasure, Laura. Thank you. Please visit the website, Speaking of Jung, that's J-U-N-G dot com, for more information on everything that was discussed here today. There you will also find all of the previous episodes of this podcast, which are available to stream or to download for free. This podcast is also available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. With special thanks to Liz Jefferson at Inner City Books, Carla at the BTS Army Help Center, and to the entire BTS Army, this is Laura London, and you've been listening to Speaking of Young. <laughs>